All right, everybody have notes. Uh, Mary anoints Jesus. We got one, I printed one this morning. Because, Lord willing, we're going to finish this up today and move on in, Jeff, in chapter 12. Um, so that, you know, we, we do, I like to say we're driving through John. We're not driving through John, we're walking through John. But we also don't want to crawl either, right? <laughs> We do want to make some progress. So. We can crawl on our hands and knees. Yeah. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, whenever we open your word, um, and it's my job to, to lead our thoughts and, and so forth, I'm on one hand aware of what James says, that the those who desire to lead in the church and uh, uh, to teach, uh, have a stricter judgment. And yet, I also remember Paul, where he said, Who is adequate for these things? We thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. Um, and it's not just the pastor or the elder who, who has the special insight, but all of us have the Holy Spirit. Uh, all of us who are born again, who uh, are uh, saved and have the perfect righteousness of Christ applied and have a new heart that you've given. And we thank you that that's the case because he's the one who guides us in the scriptures and we can learn together uh, these things. And we all this morning need to hear what it is the spirit has to say. So I pray you would have the free reign today, um, not just here at Sunday school, but this morning as well when dad comes up, I know he would agree um, that we want to hear from you. And, uh, and so I pray that you would take us away from the problems of the week, the pressures of today, uh, the things we are worried about for tomorrow and the rest of the week, uh, and help us to get our perspective back to where it needs to be. We thank you for sending your son, Father, for his uh, willingness to come on this rescue mission. And that's really what it is. And uh, to be misunderstood even by his closest friends um, and to be uh, rejected by his family and his people and nation. Um, but it's necessary, uh, even as he said, that the kernel of wheat, if it doesn't die, it remains alone. But because of his death and his willingness to, to bear our sins and to be the the lamb that would give us his righteousness. Because of that, we get to go to heaven as well and be with him, be with you. We thank you for this truth. Again, open your word to us in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Uh, this is the final, if, you, if you're kind of a visual pers person, um, you know, you can d divide John up into, of course, it's divided up into chapters, and each of the chapters have different stories and things that are, are important to the flow of the text. But generally speaking, you can divide John into two main parts. Verse 12, 1 through 12, chapters 1 through 12, and then chapters 13 through 21. Chapters 1 through 12 is the public ministry of Jesus, basically. Okay? Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an opening prologue at the beginning, which John sets up everything, but it's basically, that's what it is. Then, uh, beginning with, with our next chapter, chapter 13, the ministry shifts dramatically. In fact, all of the Gospels follow the same pattern because that's what Jesus did. He, um, he was publicly ministering. In fact, when you start at the beginning of his ministry, it's almost like he hardly stayed in one place at all. He was quickly going through all of the towns and the hamlets. And, and you know, you've read that, the Gospels as well. And we'll see that in Mark as we progress. Um, but as time went on, he began to kind of slow down. And um, he would send his disciples out, of course, to, to, to heal and to preach the same message, 
because he's trying to reach as many of the people in the in the, the nation of Israel for the most part, which would be the Galilean region and the Judean region for the most part, and of course in Samaria, some of the people reached there, we read that in chapter four, <clears throat> and the other gospels touch on it. And then across the Jordan, there's some, some areas over there, but that area predominantly, I mean, you just think about trying to reach all the people in that one area in three years, and, and as he did so, we're coming up rapidly in this chapter to this seminal sort of climactic point that all the, the public ministry is working toward, and that's his triumphal entry, where he has for three years preached the gospel and offered up countless signs to back it up, that this message is from God. He is from God, the message is from God. The, the way preparer, who was John the Baptist, has, has also done that too, right? They've all come and prepared the way and it's kind of like when Jesus officially rides into Jerusalem on the back of that donkey, or the, the colt, the foal of the donkey, that he is now coming in sort of, as it were, with, with all of this evidence in his train, so to speak, right? And now it's coming to decision time for the nation, right? And John's concern, unlike the other Gospels, John's concern is in, in, in presenting that, helping us to connect the excitement of the crowds directly to Lazarus, right? And so in chapter 12, we are, John is... finishing the public ministry and wraps it all off. And then at the latter half of chapter 12, he's going to kind of give us a you might say a, a recap of Jesus' public ministry. He's going to summarize. And uh, you, you may remember in the prior notes, that's essentially the message of this chapter. But he had done so many signs, that's essentially what John is bringing us to see, as it were, as he sort of fast forward and hit highlights of his three-year ministry that the other Gospels haven't already kind of told us about. I'm sure that's the framework in which we're working, and we're rapidly getting there. And it's interesting, too, as we study more, which, by the way, does mean that ministry is not really, biblical ministry is not just preaching to the masses. Okay? As we think of the Billy Graham Crusades as maybe the ideal method, I don't know what you do, but, it, but you know that the masses, while that's important to get the message out to many people, um, Jesus' ministry, you might say his most effective ministry, really, I think Lesari's pointed out many times, I think he's right, that the signs were for the nation, but yes, that's true, but but mainly also for his disciples, right? To really help them. He spent a lot of time individually with them before this, but it really comes in this end. He slows down. He's going to take five chapters. The next five chapters after this one to, to detail all the things that Jesus wanted his disciples to know in a very intimate setting. He's not preaching, you know, the upper room discourse to a huge stadium in Jerusalem. Right? It's just to those who are there for that. So, and that's a that's that's a clue for us too, that uh, you know, ministry is not to be just a, a one-time. Oh, okay, now you pray the magic prayer and that's it. You're in the kingdom, good. Bye. No, it's it's investment. You pour yourself into other people, and it's a long-term. All right, so let's look at uh, our outline, what we've already seen. Remember that on the back of these notes, I printed sort of the parallel account of um, this dinner that they have with, um, with, <clears throat> with Jesus, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, <clears throat> at the house of who? 
There are many Simons. Which Simon? Uh, we weren't eating at, at Martha's house. Are you sure? Simon, you don't believe me. So turn it over and look at the back. Read Matthew and Mark's accounts. Simon That's why I put them back there for you. Make it easy. <laughs> yeah. Simon who? Simon the leper. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and and this is opposed to Simon the Pharisee, right? Remember we talked about that. This this big one. And by the way, there's a there's a really good song I thought about. Um, I didn't pull up the lyrics this morning. CC uh, Winan. Um, it's called uh, Alabaster Box. Just popular a few decades back. Um, but the words kind of draw an analogy between Mary pouring out, pouring out her oil on Jesus to the the worshiper in the song pouring out their tears to the Lord. You weren't there the night he rescued me. You know, don't, don't make fun of my, you know, criticize me. And, and if you listen to the words of the song, and she's kind of confusing those two stories, kind of blending them together. It's a good song. I'm not, I'm not criticizing it. But anyway, the point is that um, we've, we've talked about a similar account in Luke's gospel, but it's not the same one. But it does occur, both occur at the, at the house of a man named Simon. Right? That's why I kind of pressed you for, which Simon are we talking about, right? Okay. Uh, so, uh, Simon the leper. And we presume, <clears throat> we don't know because none of the gospels tell us who he is other than Simon the leper, but we, it's pretty safe assumption that he was very grateful to the Lord for healing him. And, uh, and he was a wealthy guy uh, there in Bethany, maybe a next-door neighbor or certainly right down the block from, from Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were all grateful to the Lord. I guarantee you Martha and Mary, and Lazarus too probably, but, but they particularly were very grateful to the Lord for what he had done. And they're giving a dinner in his honor. And again, that's all part of when you, when you pull together Matthew Mark's account. Uh, it helps us understand that. <clears throat> so we've looked at points one and two. <clears throat> we spent a lot of time on point two last time, and Mary anoints Jesus, and uh, and it was it was a sacrifice, right? It was it was very costly, and who knows what was going through her mind? I don't know that she intended ahead of time to do that. It could be that in the course of the dinner, this is not in her house, right? So, of course, of dinner maybe she just got up quietly. And went to her home, which wasn't far away, retrieved it, and then came. We don't know those details. We do know that she poured it on both his head and his feet. You know, John tells us his feet. The other two accounts, again, if you read them, there Matthew, Mark tell us that uh, it was on his head, um, and uh, and she is doing that. You know, it doesn't say she was weeping. Necessarily, Luke's account with that that is confused with this. Often, that woman was weeping, um, but here it's not necessarily that. <clears throat> but this is a very um, it, there's no doubt in my mind. Like I said last time, this is the main point I'm trying to get across: is that in both cases, both of those two stories, uh, there's a lot of similarities between them, and this is one of the similarities. I think in both cases, the two women are pouring this fragrant oil out on Jesus as a, an outward sign of inward repentance, right? Um, that that uh, in the case of the, the, the woman at the, at, at the house of Simon the Pharisee, she is, uh, you know, um, a, a prostitute, presumably leaving that lifestyle and grateful for the grace and forgiveness that the Lord has extended to her. Mary, this Mary, from outward appearances, would have been a very pious and rich Jew, right? She was well-connected, came from a, a well-respected family. We've already seen that in chapter 11. All of those well-respected, wealthy Jews wouldn't come to support them if, if you know, if they were, you know, anything else, okay? Uh, but nevertheless, both of these women, though outwardly one looks very respectable and the other not, Inwardly, they both have the same need, right? 
the need for grace, for forgiveness of sin. They recognize that the Holy Spirit works in both their hearts, and I think we see that poured out in the oil. And, uh, and, and maybe there was weeping with it. Wiping, her, wiping his feet with her hair was a mark of um, humility, right? She didn't care anymore about her reputation because a self-respecting Jewish woman wouldn't let down her hair in public at that time, um, you know, in, in front of men who weren't uh, related to her. But she does this here in a selfless act of, of sacrifice, of pouring out what she, what is valuable to her and dear to her to show the greater worth of the one on whom she is lavishing these displays. Don't miss that. That's the point. That's the point. Then the good question for us in application is, uh, you know, what do you have that's more important to you than Jesus? Before you say, oh, nothing. That's the Sunday school answer. You don't have to answer out loud. <laughs> is that really true? question what what is, what do you have that you're not willing that you're holding back to so. all right so let's move on to point three what a contrast then with Judas um, and, and John MacArthur when he's preaching on this passage he really makes a point of contrasting those two and I, and I think he's right you know you've got all these different reactions remember like I said We've, we've been working our way to this point, right? All of this, this public ministry and all the signs that he's doing and everything are, are working us toward um, this place where it's decision time. And, and, and Mary and Judas picture completely opposite reactions to Jesus, right? Mary is in, in humble contrition, pointing pouring out what is dear to her, maybe what, what had had her heart before this. In Judas' case, we see a love of money drive him to betray innocent blood. Okay? So this is point number three, that Judas, and I put down here, Judas and the disciples react, because Judas is not alone. <laughs> um, <clears throat> The disciples, the other disciples, you know, I wonder if years later they didn't. This wasn't a, uh, when the stories are told, uh, you know, as they're looking back, if this wasn't one of those points where they were like, yeah, I was there too, I have to admit, you know, you know one of those embarrassing moments. All right, so let's look at, this is just verse 3 in our text, but then uh, Matthew and Mark also have parallel. I'm sorry, uh, verses 4 through 6, there's only one point. This is point number three in our outline, uh, verses four through six. Uh, somebody read that for us. And Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was standing, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, <clears throat> somebody else, uh, maybe flip your notes over there and read the parallel accounts. Um, who wants to read Matthew? No, I was Debbie? Just something. Um, Mary, what she did, she did it from her heart. She's actually did it from her heart. And I was going to say that Judas, his was just from his mouth, but actually his was from his heart, too. Sure is. Yeah, you're right. Because, because out of the overflow of the heart, uh, yeah. mouth speaks, right? So that's, yeah. They're both revealing what's in their heart. That's exactly right. Sure. So uh, now that you've spoken up and drawn attention to yourself, <laughs> I'm going to call on you for a reading assignment. <laughs> Matthew uh, 26, uh, 8 through 9. On the back. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Okay. And who wants to read the Matthew part? Anybody? Quickly. Yeah, the Mark one, sorry. Mark uh, 14 45. Erica, go ahead. I can't read this, but I 
It's it's on the back of your notes there. The back of your notes. Oh, the back of the notes. Um, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. They sold the poor. So let's kind of look at the, thank you. Let's look at the Matthew and Mark accounts. They're very, very similar, right? Um, notice that they don't name any of the specific disciples, but it is plural. Do you see that? All right. So they're the disciples plural were in what? Indignant. Okay. And uh Matthew and Mark's accounts, you can you got them right there in front of you. You can see uh that they are identical in terms of summarizing reaction. Why was this point wasted like this? Remember the ointment is really an oil, right? It's not that thick. Vaseline based stuff. Okay, so it's it's this oil. Why is this oil wasted like this? Right? Um, what is that? And thank you, Debbie, for your I was teasing you there, but thank you for that comment because that's that's you're exactly right. It's revealing what's in the heart, right? It, it is are they right? Is this a waste of this valuable oil? Depends on the value you place upon the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so where's the value? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and it's easy to get on the bandwagon. I'm sure Judas was the first one that spoke up. You know, when somebody speaks up, <coughs> you're in a group of peers that you respect. <coughs> it's easy to easy to think. Hey, that, that's right. That money could have been used for something else. But since he spoke up. They could, they could speak up as well. Sometimes, like I, I hear you, like sometimes it's hard when you're in you have a disagreement. Oh, you don't want to be the one to say something. Yeah. But if somebody else says something, then they say, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. No, it wasn't the disciples' oil to give. It was Mary's. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Good point. Right? We kind of Which missed that one altogether. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. That's <laughs> not your oil. It's Mary's. You can do what she wants with it. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, Dory was dead on. We do that as well. People donate something that they have. Don't be judgmental. It's not. It's not. We we don't even have any part in it. Yeah, their heart gave to another person. We could justify <laughs> they're giving it to many different types of charities or where we call or your or ourselves. You know, I could have used that too. It's not ours. We're not even part of the process at all. Yeah, we have an yeah. opinion. We don't have an opinion. Yeah. No, we have opinions. Yeah. I mean, Tiger and Phil, they, they bet a million dollars on Ryan McGall. Oh, they could have gave that to the poor. It's not my money. And they questioned the man. And he said, my family is not starving to death. My kids have everything they want. My grandchildren have everything they want. If I want to bet a million dollars on a game of golf, What's it to you? You know, but that doesn't stop us from grumbling. It's not ours, Dory. It's, it's not ours. It's not our ointment to pour on the Lord. It was hers. But it's easy to be judgmental, I mean, of what other people have. And it's the heart speaking. It's the heart speaking. It is. Do not covet. Um, you know, I've always thought of Jesus as a creep. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, we never, anytime anybody ever said Judas, all you can think of is betrayer, what a creep. Okay, so so I always think of Judas as a creep, but apparently he must have, you know, been able to uh, influence people because, and, and seemed to be somewhat trustworthy, I guess, you know, until it got to be a point because... They were allowing him to hold on to the money. Yeah. So I don't know if he was if he was real, uh, you know, I'll do it. You know, I mean, if maybe he was that way. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, he must have been a halfway decent person. They must have they must have liked him somehow or another. And so when he said things, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, what do you think about that? You know, so if Judas is the one who said it, everybody else, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, he must have had a 
likable side, mm -hmm. even though we audience. don't normally see that, because I just think of it as a creep. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. You know, the same as, that's why I've stressed this many times, same is also true with the Pharisees, particularly, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, you get little songs like, I want to be a Pharisee, because ain't Pharisee, you know, and you, you get these, you get these, you, you sort of, you, 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 you put the, you, if you're not careful, you'll have these caricatures, these cartoon images of the real thing. But it's far more complicated than that, right? And, and the Pharisees actually started with a very worthy goal of holding the nation true to the one true God. Because look at their history before the Pharisees. They were they were all over the place and, and running to every every idol, next door idol they could run to away from the Lord. Mm. By the time that the Lord and the disciples show up on the scene, idols in the land of Canaan are disappeared for the most part. And we don't have a lot of Baal worship and Moloch and all that right going on. So in a sense, you know, my point is, you're right. He's not he's not covered in slime and smelling like a pig. You know, he 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 was by all outward appearances a trustworthy, smart guy and was on board with the rest of it. His sinful greed got him because look what he did to trade Jesus with his friends. That's right. That's right. That's all he had in his mind was financial. This, and, and and I think it's Matthew and Mark that particularly draw that connection for us. Because even though they don't name him, okay, uh, they immediately in the next verses tie that comment and that in indignation, okay, that offense that they took that Mary would do this, and then Jesus's response that he would rebuke them. How dare you? You know, why aren't you on our side here? This is, we're in the right. She's clearly in the wrong. What are you doing rebuking us for this? And, and, and taking this as if, you know, Judas, and I think you're, you're, you're right, Rick, is that, is that um, <clears throat> we haven't gotten there yet in the text, but he, it, it directly connects this with him going to the leaders and offering his services to help betray them. That's in verse 14 of Matthew's account. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. Right directly after that, and Mark does the same thing. All right, so yes, it's interesting also that uh, the gospel writers would include that, or maybe they themselves were included in that, like in Matthew's account when the disciples. Matthew wrote that, so mm -hmm. it was it was almost like he was saying, "Yeah, I agree with that." He may have been. Yeah, that's a good and point. Same thing that. You know, when he said themselves, you know, so he had a financial background too, didn't he? <clears throat> yeah, Matthew did. That's right. Sure. So, so I mean, it, it's interesting. You know, if you're if, normally, if you write something like that, you wouldn't include yourself. It was a negative point. Yeah. Matthew, like. John seems to go out of his way not to draw a lot of attention to himself yeah. in general. Yeah. So, but yes, you're right. He may have, may very well have been one of those, and that's why he knows <laughs> from firsthand experience that he could very well have been. Um, it, it seems to indicate in both accounts that the, the other disciples um, were it, it, putting all this together. The way I surmise it is that Judas was the one speaking, right? But kind of like how Peter often speaks and the rest of the guys are like, yeah, yeah, what he said, right? Uh, it's the same idea here. I, I think that Judas is the one who is, is leading the charge in, in this indignation, but the other disciples are nodding in agreement. Yeah, not maybe not all of them, but some of them are, right? Matthew, Larry's great point. Matthew may have been among them. They were kind of, yeah, 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 that's right. He, he's articulating exactly what we want to say. All right. So, but the point is, what a contrast between where Mary's heart is and where their hearts are, and especially Judas. Uh, and 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 the thing I, I want us to see, and that's why I took the time to put these on the back of our notes, these parallel accounts, because I want you to see the different emphasis here. Um, uh, John is interested in helping us connect this this dinner. And with the uh, uh, excitement and the amazement that the witnesses had at the raising of Lazarus, and it comes through to this dinner, and then the very next day, 
that just boils over into the excitement of the crowds welcoming him. John and uh, uh, Matthew and Mark are tying that to Judas. That's a straw broke camel's back, and Judas went right to the chief priest. And it seems to be a good example of what Scripture warns about the love of money as a root of all kinds of evil, right? I was going to say, he was so focused on money. It's just like these days, you can get so focused on money. You can't see the love in Mary's action. You just didn't see that. He didn't even get past the money back. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, I mean, after all the Lord had done, all those years, yeah. This is not. Does he deserve? Does the Lord deserve our very best? Of course he does. She was showing a physical aspect of Yeah. Was valuable to her. Values to follow Jesus. Compared to the Lord, the the value of that oil is nothing to me. Right. I think uh, that that uh, they're. Fail to recognize the significance of this moment in this woman's life. Uh, that the action they brought it really. But Jesus said that, that these things would be held in remembrance in her honor as long as the story is read. It's a very serious moment, and we take it very lightly. You know, it takes time to, to <clears throat> appreciate value. I, um, this point came home to me years ago when I was in college. I, I, I found one day a, a small little golden ring. Uh, you know, when I say golden because I found out later it wasn't gold. Um, but uh, a golden ring uh, at school, at uh, somewhere. And I, that was kind of cool. And I wore it on my pinky, you know. It's not cool. It's in college. Yeah, who knows. And so, um, anyway, I thought it was kind of cool. Well, it turns out that oh, you know, didn't take long before it started to produce like a like a kind of a greenish, grayish ring around on my skin. It was reacting with skin, and uh, and then you know, a couple years later, I got a real gold ring, this wedding band, and it has never been that. And I have, huh? Never tarnished. never tarnished. Well, it gets little dings on it. It's not pure gold because pure gold is very soft, right? So it's an alloy that makes it a little stronger. But it's got a knuckle. It's 18 karat or something. The inside of it, where it doesn't get all the dings and everything, is just as bright and crisp and clear as the day I put it on. Very nice. We don't. Yeah, okay. Tell me what in, in describing it. Okay, let's yeah, hear that. That's, that's, that's not the one I That's the one on the here. It's the date the day we got married. Okay. It keeps going around and around. <laughs> it says one ring to rule. No, never mind. <laughs> the point is, you know, the, even though the two rings, when they're laying on the table, they look, you know, golden and beautiful and everything, it took some time for me to appreciate the value of real gold versus some brass or whatever other cheap combination of metal that was. And it's true here. It takes time to appreciate value, and it's probably, I'm sure it's not, until years later when the disciples look back at that moment and, and they realize, wow, what a, we had no idea what was going on. We just, it was just totally lost on us. And, uh, I, but, I'm sure the disciples would, if they, could, if they could look back after the Holy Spirit had come, they would have done things a whole lot different. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, even yeah. in our lives. Oh yeah. We, we look back and and see the opportunities and things that we had and could have had. It would change things. Oh yeah. <laughs> no different. No doubt. In Judah's defense, we we often, if your pride is hurt like that, you can't you can't confront the one who has rebuked you justifiably. You many times will go to others. And interpretate your cause and and their wrongdoing and berating you. You know, I mean, his pride was smashed pretty hard right there. He had a he had a valid point, and even had the disciples backing some of the disciples backing. 
the Lord still smashed him. I guess that, that was a hard hit to his pride. Yeah. Yeah, and keeping in mind, you know, everything's been happening at this point. The other Gospels tell us, John doesn't make as big a point of it. The other Gospels definitely tell us he began to tell them as, as his public ministry is coming to a close, he's giving, giving them, we're going to see that in the next chapters, definitely, where he's telling them what's coming, about to, about to happen. But he's beginning to tell them, I'm going to be betrayed. It isn't going to turn out the way you want. Well, Judas is listening to that, too. And and Judas is clearly, you know, they're, they're, they're all on board with this is the Messiah. He's going to bring the kingdom. And we are, we've won the lottery. We're part of the ruling council, right? They wanted power, prestige. Not just Judas, either. Remember, James and John had their mother come and say, well, you have my two sons, right? And then the other disciples were like, oh, yeah, yeah, those guys really deserve it. Wrong. No, they were all jealous, right? Well, that's my place. What are you doing? You know? And, and Luke tells us, that we're going to see this in the upper room. I put together a time, I did some time to put together a timeline of, of all the events that happened in the upper room. <clears throat> and in my opinion, for the Lord washes his feet, Luke tells us they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. They're arguing on the night in which he's betrayed and is going to be crucified the next day about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They're still not getting it, right? Did they think that he was going to be king over Jerusalem? Yes. Yes. Him? Yes. Oh, yes. That's why they're so excited here with the triumphal entry. And they're throwing the cloaks down and the crowd's joining in. Yes! And they're still excited about that the next night when they celebrate the Passover. And that's what I think their pride gets the best of them. And they start arguing about who's going to be. It's, it's about here, guys. It's going to happen. Maybe tomorrow he's going to take the throne. Romans are out of here. Right. Romans are out of here. Yep. Okay, so let's not get too distracted. Just stay focused. Um, otherwise, we'll never get through this. Four through six, back to John. Okay. Then Judas Iscariot, John is the one who names him, right? One of his disciples is about to betray him. <clears throat> and he's always linked with, with that betrayal, right? That's why Erica says, and she's right, that we... We can't get past that, you know, to, to see the real Judas there. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? How much is that? A year's wage. Um, a denarius, denarius is the singular, denarii is the plural. Denarius was a day's wage. It's a, it's a day's wage for an hourly worker. We would call it today minimum wage, right? So it's it's effectively, it's not exactly analogous to that because a lot of people, you know, who have, so I would I would dare to say that the average, you go out here and you do a median a uh, wage in the area, you know, uh, it's gonna be greater than the hourly wage. <coughs> but a denarius is a day's wage. Okay, it's what you got paid for one day's work. So this is 300 of them. And if you allow for holidays in there, as Diana said, that's about a year's salary. Okay, an average salary for you. So what is that going to be in our in our dollars today? What's our median? About 50,000. Maybe 50,000, 46,000, something like that. Might be the median. Okay. That's a lot of money for, and, and, and how much ointment or oil was poured out? How much? It actually tells us a pint. Um, it's actually twelve ounces. Okay, a pound is what what some translations say, right? Uh, so a pound to their measurement would would be about twelve ounces to ours. Okay, so it's not a lot, not a huge amount. Okay, I mean your your coke bottle over there holds more coke than that one, right? So and this this bottle, this is uh, whatever this is. People are living on donations. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Notice Judas has a dollar figure already. Brain was going. That's why that's why Larry's point may be a very, very good one. Again, we don't know for sure, but it's quite likely Matthew definitely knew, you know, with his tax collecting background, he knew the value of things. He was he used way around the around a dollar, right? So um, 
Well, they well, they all did, but those guys they particularly. Were I mean, they that's true. They had a business. Guys, they were business. Yeah. Most of them. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Okay, fifty thousand dollars. Let's just say that. Okay. Wow, this could have been sold for fifty thousand dollars, and give it to me. Everybody says that's what he has in mind. Yeah. But what does he actually say? Give them to the poor. That's just to make it sound good. Maybe he considers himself poor. <laughs> <laughs> After three years of following this loser. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, that's not too far from the truth. Judas wanted, to, wanted an exit strategy. He could see the handwriting on the wall. The leaders had already, remember in chapter 11, it already held, the Sanhedrin already held an official council and proclaimed their final decision they wanted to put him to death and anybody who uh could help them in that was was the offer was there right the wanted poster here's your reward money so to speak and judas was going to cash in i'm going to get my pound of flesh one way or the other and if this guy's not going to step up and be the king and the messiah that we all thought he was going to be then i'm going to get something out of this deal and he was hoping that that oil might be you know a big part of his his exit strategy, you know, to to collect some money, get some compensation for all the years of hanging out with this guy, and we're not going anywhere now, so I'm going to get my money and leave. Uh, and then with with that, then comes the other idea, well, maybe I can join in on the council's decision here and cash in that way. There's no doubt in my mind putting all this together that that's what's going on. You told that to the rich young ruler, right? So what you have, give to the poor. Don't, yeah. Don't pour it on the ground. Yeah. But I mean, he was using it as a strategy. But he was trying to use his own words, pretty much, almost. Justify. Justify. Well, it's covering up his heart, right? Sure. And Debbie, what Debbie said at the outset, it's right. Um, you know, and John, John makes a point of making sure we understand that. And John does this a lot. He'll he'll insert his own little commentary in the story, you know, to make sure that we're tracking with him. Okay. Lest the audience, because you read the end of verse 5, and you might kind of say, well, yeah, that, that, that makes a good point. Well, 300 naira, $50,000, man, that, that, you know, that would go a long way in feeding how many families, right? You know, four families or something. So John, in verse 6, lets us know what's really going on. Now, they, did they, back kind of to Erica's point earlier, did they know that he was a thief? Almost certainly not. He wouldn't. If you caught him doing it, you wouldn't let him have a person. Right? Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah, he would have been thrown They would have dealt with it. They certainly would have taken the money bag away from him. Okay, guarantee. The Lord knew about it. The Lord knew, but why did he say anything? I don't know. Well, he does um, eventually. Well, he does eventually. Eventually. It comes out, doesn't mm -hmm. it? You can't hide the truth forever. As the truth course. has a way of coming out. It really does. And that's what happened here with, with Judas. And John just lets us know in verse 6 here, he says, he said this, that is Judas said this, not because he, that is Judas, cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and, used to, and having charge of the money bag used to help himself to what was put into it. Okay? Uh, um, when we were reading that, we said pilfering. Pilfering is is different than than stealing. Out stealing is outright taking everything. Pilfering is just skimming off the top. Okay, so that's the idea here. It wasn't that you know. Well, we keep giving the money to Judas, and no no sign of it, right? I mean, there's there's money there. It's just not quite as much coming out of the bag as what went in. You know, he's just taking off the top. He's skimming. Okay. Was Jesus great Simon the leper's son? No, I don't think so. Verse 4 says in the New King James, one of the disciples, Jesus Iscariot, Simon's son, who betrayed him. Different Simon. That's why I say there's lots of Simons. Very, very, very common name. Very common name. Only one dead one. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, if you find out otherwise, let me know, but I, I don't think so. And I don't think the text really tells us. For sure. Um, 
But he said this not because he cared for the poor, uh, because he used to help himself. And, and, and you know what? I, John is writing this probably, what, roughly 50 years after these events. Much older man. You know, after, it just makes me wonder, at what point did they realize he was doing this? I, I don't know. Maybe when they got to comparing notes later after the betrayal of Jesus, resurrection, the ascension, who knows. At some point, you know, um, it was discovered that this is what was happening. Because by this time, John knows that, right? He knows that this has been happening. And, and this is John's way, I think, of telling us effectively the same thing that Matthew and Mark have told us, but in a different way. They have directly tied Judas's greed exposed in that moment to his betrayal, right? So they've, they've, they've effectively said his betrayal can be exposed as the greed, whereas John here gives us insight into his pilfering, which exposed the greed. In the same, but the same, both, all three accounts, you might say, come back to the same problem of greed in his heart. Uh, he was he was zeroed in on Judas. He was self-focused. He wanted to, to be part of the messianic kingdom and all the glory and the power and self-exaltation that went along with it. And then it became clear that Jesus wasn't the kind of Messiah that Judas thought he ought to be. He was ready to cash out, even if it meant betraying him. That's how blinded we can become with this kind of self-focus. It'll keep you, your pride will keep you from seeing the most valuable thing right in front of your face. Right? Sometimes it keeps us from seeing ourselves. Exactly. All right. Um, we can just introduce it, and we'll talk about it next time in point number four. Uh, Jesus responds and honors Mary. This would be seven and eight. Because I don't want to leave us with Judas. <laughs> let's, let's see what Jesus says in return. 7 and 8. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always with you, but you do not always have me. Okay. And the other parallel counts, again, on the back of your notes. Okay. Um, you will see that he... He says a little bit more to them about it as well. Um, as Dad said, that that this will be told, this story will be told as a memorial to her to honor her throughout the world. Jesus rebukes them for this. Is it not? Is in the other accounts too say that um, there's a famous saying actually that comes out of that: "The poor you have always with you." Me, you do not always have. So we'll deal with that next time. She, she didn't. I think it was kind of neat that she, you know, they they came to her house and then they left and then they would come back around when they're traveling and leave and then come back and and I think she just thought, you know, she was overwhelmed in her heart, so she wanted to show her. Um, Jesus, and it's just like, I don't know when they're going to leave again. I mean, you know, they might get done right here, and then they're poof, they're gone, and I don't know how long they're going to be gone. And I don't care what anybody else thinks, and I just got to tell Jesus how I feel. You know, just like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody's in there, they're in their talking, eating, whatever. I, I got to do this. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I should do that. Just, okay. I don't care if you guys laugh at me, because. She's a woman, right? Which was a little more like lower class, right? And uh, so I don't care if you laugh at me or you don't laugh at me. Don't make any difference to me. I gotta do this. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm glad Jesus stuck up for Mary. Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. He did it because it was right. That's the second time he had to defend her. She wasn't allowed to be remembered or anything. We also like said that. as well. He defended her the first time when Martha got upset. No, she's doing the right thing. Interesting, isn't it?
<clears throat> Heavenly Father uh, gives us a lot to think about here, a lot to chew on here. And um, <clears throat> these two people, Mary on one hand, Judas on the other, typify two different responses to the same person. And basically, we're in one of two camps. Um, you're not just sitting here dispassionately reading a story and there's no moral to the story. Oh, there's lots of morals here, and there's lots to be learned ourselves. We, none of us, I doubt any of us have a a, a $50,000 jar of anything in our cabinets uh, that we can pour out, but we have other things that are very, very costly to us, that are very hard for us to let go of. Um, and yet nothing in our lives is more valuable than you. And the grace that you have poured out, you mean she poured out this oil, you, you poured out your life for us. And as a result of being crushed on the cross, the oil of the Holy Spirit can come out and people begin to be saved. And that oil is still flowing today. We, don't, we come to uh, the Savior who is the fountain uh, of grace, the fountain of the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate hearts. And it's still flowing today and still saving. Father, I pray that you would be merciful to this nation as we, as Rick prayed in his opening. We do pray for our nation. We're voting now, and and, uh, and boy, do we ever. We don't just need a change of, of party. We need a change of heart as a nation. And, and really, you can do that. And so I pray that you would do that. You would be merciful, pour out your Holy Spirit, open pulpits of this land that your word may be proclaimed, open the mouths of your people that we may... Uh, be faithful to proclaim and then like Mary sometimes just the actions too of, of service to others and pouring out our lives in, in service to you because you deserve nothing less and a whole lot more and we pray for rest of this time this morning and uh, the, the dinner this evening as well in Jesus name